Welcome to the Health Buzz podcast provided by Curry Health Center Wellness Office. This show is hosted by students and peer health educators. Health Buzz was made to create a safe space for the UM student body to have frank conversations about health, provide practical skills, and foster resilience and connection through lived experiences. My name is Rachel Gordon, and I use she-they pronouns. My name is Sarah Odenthal, and I also use she-they pronouns. The intro question for today is, what is your favorite article of clothing that you own and why? Hoo-hoo! I am so excited to hear your answer on this, Rachel. My favorite article of clothing is a wool sweater that I have. It's a kind of like a Scottish wool sweater type thing. And I found it at a bag sale, and it's been my my trusty steed for years now. I've patched it a few times, but there's just nothing like a good wool sweater. Oh, I love a wool sweater. I think my favorite article of clothing is these pair of jeans that I got from Goodwill like three or four years ago now. And they don't have any zippers. They don't have any buttons. It's just elastic in the waistband. And they are maternity jeans. And I can wear them out for a night on the town. I can wear them at home to watch TV. They do it all. And I love them. Yeah, I mean, I really appreciate that that's your favorite article of clothing. And I say normalize maternity clothes. Let's get some wrap dresses, some elastic jeans. Maybe a baby doll dress. I don't know. Maybe not. (laughs) Where does it begin? I don't know. Where does it end? (laughs) Well, here's the beginning. Let's dive in. So in this episode of Health Buzz today, we want to talk to you a little bit about some ways to manage your stress. 91% of UM students felt overwhelmed by daily life tasks during the past year, according to the 2018 data from the National College Health Assessment. So we're going to talk a little bit about stress management techniques and resilience. So resilience is the ability to come back after negative experiences and to respond productively to the demands of stressful experiences. So basically, it's not just about coming back from bad things that have happened to you or challenging things, but it's also taking those as an opportunity to grow and change. And college is definitely a time that a lot of people are going through pretty tough stuff. Um, And it's a time of change and growth and uncertainty. So the ability to be resilient is a big part of surviving college and also just surviving other parts of life. And I think not just surviving, but thriving also. I think resilience is, is absolutely key to, to human success. And I think it's really important to understand that we will all feel stressed and anxious at some point because that's just the way that life is. Um, and the, the issue is not that we're feeling stressed, but when we're feeling really high levels of stress for a long time. And so those are some tools that we're going to talk about with you guys today. And so Those tools sometimes are breathing for some people, and sometimes it's folding laundry. Some tools that I like to use to manage my stress uh, is taking time out of my day to pay attention to my breathing and really noticing the stillness between my inhales and my inhales. 
And I also like to really take note of how I'm feeling at different moments of the day. I also need to have frequent vigorous movement. So that normally means like taking study breaks and doing 25 jumping jacks, or maybe that means doing yoga when I wake up in the morning. How do you like to regulate your stress, Sarah? Yeah, this is a great question, Rachel. I was just talking earlier today with somebody about how many post-it notes I have around my house, and I do have a ton of post-it notes. That's one of the things that helps me to kind of drop into what's happening. And so I have like ones in my bathroom that are like breathe or in my kitchen just to remind me where I am and what I'm doing. The other thing that really helps me is to just have little breaks throughout my day, like times to connect with people, um, whether that's a phone call or a text or the animals in my house, just petting them for a couple minutes and taking a little break. Yeah, that's great. Before we get into the resiliency aspect of things, we wanted to give a little bit of background on stress and where that comes from and what the, the chemical process in your brain looks like. So everyone, you, me, everyone, has this part of our nervous system called the central nervous system. And that's the connection between our hormone system, our endocrine system, and our brain. And so when we're experiencing danger, and back in the day, way back in the day, that danger was normally like, there's a tiger chasing after you, or you're falling into a pit of quicksand, or something crazy is going on. And as you're experiencing that stressful event, your eyes or ears pick those up, and they take that information to the spot in your brain called the amygdala. And the amygdala is your stress response center. And your amygdala then is like, oh, we're, we're stressed, something's gotta happen, and it sends a signal to your hypothalamus. And your hypothalamus is like the switchboard controller for your brain. And so the hypothalamus says, okay, immediately we need to jump out of the way of this tiger, or we need to move quickly with our arms and legs to get out of this quicksand. And those are, no, those are, those are instincts, um, is what the hypothalamus triggers for you. And those are why we've been able to stay alive. Those are ultimately why we've been able to survive and reproduce for this long. The issue that occurs with stress now is that we're not in life-threatening situations most of the time. You know, maybe there's, maybe there's a, a, a car that you're trying to avoid or maybe there's a stressful conversation that you're trying to be safe in, but normally it's not life or death. And the chemicals that are released from your brain during a stressful situation are called epinephrine and cortisol and, or, or just adrenaline is another word for those. And as you're getting the lots of shots of adrenaline throughout your day that are triggered by non-life-threatening events, those can ultimately lead to longer-term chronic stress. And that's the problem that we're trying to address and mediate today, is that when you have exposure to lots of these chemicals, there's different reactions that your body has, like um, heart rate increasing and your breathing rate getting shallow and going into this fight or flight mode. And when that's just the way that you exist in the world for long periods of time, it can lead to things like really high blood pressure. It can lead to like a weakness of your heart. It can lead to issues in your lungs. And um, they, there's also been links to high levels of stress making you more susceptible to cancer and just having like a lesser, a lesser quality of life with long-term long -term stress. Yeah, and I really 
that's such a great explanation of how that works and how I like to think about it too with the central nervous system is the sympathetic, which you've been talking about. That's the stress response. It says, hey, there's something here that we need to take care of right now. (laughs) Um, And then the other branch of the autonomic nervous system, the parasympathetic nervous system, tells us, oh, there's no immediate danger here. I'm safe. It's okay. And so they are both useful. The sympathetic nervous system and stress helps us get out of bed in the morning and get going and take care of things in daily life. But when it gets to be those prolonged periods, we're just kind of bathing in these corrosive stress hormones. And that takes a toll on our body to always think we're in danger and always think we have something that we have to tend to right now. So that's kind of what we're talking about here is working to tell ourselves and change our physiology and say, okay, I'm safe things are going to be okay and engaging that parasympathetic nervous system and letting the body relax a little bit and not just be in this state of perpetual stress. And there's there's a lot of reasons to be stressed in the world right now. There's a lot going on. I mean, we are still in the midst of a global pandemic. I think COVID has ramped up everybody's stress levels and put us kind of on the edge or like at our peak stress for long periods of time. I mean, it's been a year now. Yeah, I think it's really important to just note while we're talking, while we're having a conversation about resiliency and stress, it doesn't make sense for us to not acknowledge that there's a huge, you know, global stress that we're all experiencing that's just pervasive and personal and feels really out of our control. Yeah, I mean, and that helps me to think about it, too, that millions of people are experiencing the same thing that I'm experiencing right now, and it's really stressful. I think it's touched everyone's lives in some capacity at this point, and I mean, it it is really hard just knowing that that is out there, and it's restricting what we can and cannot do, and also taking people's lives, which is really, really big and really sad. And I know we were kind of talking before we got recording, Rachel, just about your experience with dealing with the pandemic and the kind of stressors that's provided for you. Yeah, I I think that uh, there's definitely been it's just it just feels like another thing to have to juggle, you know, like not only having school that's stressing me out or work or scheduling, but also having a pandemic that's like, oh, I can't like I can't be seeing the people that might be giving me support when I'm feeling stressed out. And uh, I feel like the pandemic has really shown me the the limits to some of my some of my stress management techniques, as I, I'm sure it has for a lot of people. Yeah, I think it's really highlighted what is working and what is not working for me personally, and I can imagine for other people too. And one of the things that I just keep coming back to with this whole thing is just like remembering that it is going to change. It's not always going to be like this. Change is constant and will continue to happen in whatever direction, but it won't always be exactly the way it is now really helps me to, to cope with big things like that. The other really big benefit of stress management techniques is that it helps to prevent burnout. Having constant levels of stress really takes a toll on functioning. (laughs) And it's just 
it's not fun. It's not fun to always feel like you're in danger and you have all these things piling up on top of you. So finding some tools and techniques to help manage the inevitable stressors of life is going to help you keep doing the things that are important and lead to bigger goals. Like what's, why are you in school? You know, why, why do you want to do this career or whatnot? Yeah. Uh, And to get a little bit of insight on resiliency around campus, we did an interview with Tracy Anderson, who also works at the Curry Health Center, and we're going to listen to that conversation now. Tracy, thank you so much for making time to chat with us today. Um, So can you tell me a little bit about yourself and your path in counseling and the work that you do? Sure. So I moved to Missoula about a year ago, and I came here after working for 25 years at a private liberal arts college in the state of Washington called Whitman College. And there I was the assistant director of the counseling center. And then in Missoula, I am currently the interim director of counseling. And the reason I moved here is because it ended up that my two oldest children actually settled in Missoula. And, um, and so we're a close family and I just wanted to be closer to them. Oh, awesome. I, I, went to, I went to grad school at UCLA and then have lived in the Northwest um, since then. Okay, gotcha. And what kind of work do you like to focus on with your counseling? Well, in a college counseling center, people are typically generalists in the sense that we have training in a lot of different theoretical orientations and treatment modalities that can address any number of issues. So in a college population, you you get a large variety of things coming through your door. So there's not one person who only specializes in depression or only specializes in eating disorders or um, or substance use. We all have training in, in all of those things. And if somebody does end up needing some very specialized treatment, then we're able to refer them or connect them to somebody who can provide just that specific treatment. Yeah, that makes sense that um, to be trained as more of a generalist, just to be able to manage what walks in the door. So this episode, we're kind of talking about some stress management techniques and also a little bit about resilience. And I was just wondering if you could talk to us a little bit about how excessive stress can be harmful to us and our goals. Yeah, so if you look at the things that people do in their life, it takes energy to accomplish anything. To study, that takes up brain space, to have a relationship that takes up brain space, to deal with COVID and all the adjustments we've had to make take up brain space. And then there's all of these things that occur outside of school or COVID or our family. And so if you can imagine all of these different things that people are dealing with in their life, and you try to put them all <laughs> up into your, um, you know, the top part of your brain, you have a lot of stuff going on there. And then there's different levels of intensity and challenge to those things that we're dealing with. And the more challenge there is, the more intense it is, the more frequent those things are that are challenging us, 
we um, end up experiencing stress. And that's a physiological response to those uh, variables as well as a psychological response. And by physiological, we know there's hormones in your body that are produced when somebody is stressed and that kind of affects your neurochemistry. And then um, certainly when somebody is stressed from all the things going on in their life, it, it really psychologically can feel very overwhelming to people. And, yeah. and what, one more piece about that is you know, stress is often defined as some, you know, something that we don't have control over. Now, in life, we know that we can't have control over everything, but stress increases when we have less and less control over things. And that's, that's a lot of what, what's happening with COVID, for example. We don't know what's going to happen. And, and maybe right now we're a little bit more clear because vaccinations are um, being administered throughout the, the country and, and the world. But there was about a year period of time where there was so much uncertainty about what this was, what COVID was going to do and how it was going to change and how it's affecting our lives. And that was something we could not control. So that ended up being a big stressor for a lot of people. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense what you're saying that we just as humans have a limited capacity in our brains. We can only deal with so much at once. And when those things start really piling up, it's it's already full. And I really appreciate you mentioning COVID too and how that is affecting us in the past year and still. I mean, we're still coping with the uncertainty associated with having a global pandemic. Sure. Yeah. There's been a lot of research on the effects of COVID and the changes that it's created in people's lives that show significant increases nationally in the levels of stress that people are experiencing. And when you're stressed out, that often then leads to other challenges in our life. People are more anxious, they're more depressed, they um, feel less motivated, they might feel um, really fatigued. And then all of these things create more stress in somebody's lives because people aren't feeling empowered to deal with this overwhelming stress. So it's not just COVID stress, that leads to more stress in other areas of their life. Yeah, it like compounds on top of each other. That totally makes sense. So what do you think keeps people from doing techniques that help them to cope with their stress? Well, I think some of it is fatigue. Yeah. There's uh, something that we call cognitive dissonance. And that means that intellectually, we may know that we need to do something, our homework or to get outside and walk the dog or to eat better, but emotionally, it's very hard to do what we want to do or that we know that we should be doing to make ourselves feel better. And that cognitive dissonance right now is something that a lot of people are experiencing because they're tired. They just feel so fatigued with everything that's going on around them that it's very hard for people to act on what they 
believe they should be doing to take care of themselves. And that's, yeah. that's a very typical response to, to stress. And stress doesn't choose who it's going to affect. It affects us all at different levels. And everybody has a different level of tolerance for stress. And everybody has a different um, you know, collection of things in their pocket that they can do to manage stress. I think the isolation that people are experiencing right now has a big impact on people's ability to manage stress. So if somebody likes to hang out at a coffee shop with a group of friends, they may not be able to do that right now because of social distancing. Um, People don't have the same options due to the um, advised precautions that they need to take around physical distancing from people. And so people don't have the same sort of tools in their you know, collection of stress reduction techniques as well. So what do we do when we have fewer tools and we're really fatigued? It's much harder to take care of ourselves. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And the, the fatigue of just all of these things coming at us um, right now and, you know, in life inevitably, I think it's just a huge part of what stands in the way for people to help to cope with that. And that's one of the things we talked about in our last episode is just setting like almost unreasonably small actions for to help kind of facilitate a change um, that are just really simple and super doable. So um, what makes some people more resilient than others? Well, I, I do believe that everybody has what they need inside of them to, to get through life. But sometimes people may have had life circumstances prior to this moment here and now that have just been taxing on their spirit and um, just on their whole sense of the world. And if people are tired and they've it's like psychologically tired and just have continued challenges in their life, it really makes it harder to, to manage stress and to be as resilient as other people who may have some advantages. You know, some examples are people have different levels of um, financial well-being. So when I look at the student population, there are students that are working 20, 30 hours, 40 hours a week while they're going to school full time, or there's students who have to take out unbelievable amount of loans to go to school, and that's a stressor for them. And that's just one example of things that make it harder for some people to manage stress because that's a big load for people to carry around. And if that's, and if we're only talking about you know, financial challenges, we can add many other challenges on top of that. I think also that when people grow up, they learn ways from their family, their community, their friends, their school, their cultural group about how to manage stress and how to communicate and how to handle conflict and how to take care of themselves. And 
what people learn is different and what we learn may be applicable to the here and now and what we've learned may not be helping us right now. It doesn't have anything to do with people's intelligence or you know, capacity to understand the world and themselves and to deal with life. I believe and, and research basically shows us to be true that there are so many variables that affect one's ability to manage stress that have just been created over time that that's, that's the primary impact that affects one's resilience and ability to manage stress. Yeah, it, it really is just circumstantial. It's where you are at life and that juxtaposition and that moment and all of the things that you've seen up to that point and also the amount of resources that you have physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually to help cope with that. And yes, that's one thing I've been thinking about a lot lately is just you really have to be resourced to be able to just, you know, having the basic needs met to move on to deal with things that are a little farther out than that. And some of these big stressors for the entire world right now are just a little farther out than that. I have talked to a lot of students this semester who are really being affected by the isolation. And people have friends and they have family, but those connections are all via technology most of the time and that's really wearing on on somebody's energy and, and even purposeness or um, purposefulness in life so we don't have the chance to chat with people after class or to grab a quick lunch with somebody or to say hey i've got 15 minutes you want to go for a walk those impromptu social connections, the opportunity to meet new people, the opportunity to be spontaneous socially, just are not there. And that's been so, so hard on most people. There's a, there's a um, exercise that I do when I've been giving um, presentations on campus about COVID and stress and it's to have people write a six-word story that kind of defines what their life has been like right now and how they're managing COVID. And, um, and so some of the stories that I've gotten, I think really illustrate what people are going through right now. So here, here's a story. This came from a student. And that person's six-word story was, big screen, medium screen, little screen. Yeah, that really shows, okay, they're spending a lot of time on the screen and that's kind of defining their life right now. Another story was, can anyone see me smile? That's a really poignant story. You know, our faces are covered up and, uh, and how do we show who we are to other people. I think that story really illustrates how important it is to connect with people and to be able to not just get something from people, but also share yourself with other people. Yeah. And those connections are how our bodies have been facilitated to cope with stress for 
human exist since he, the dawn of human existence, really. Absolutely. And so while it is great that we can still stay in touch with people, we don't get that same neurofeedback um, that helps us physiologically cope with what we're dealing with um, that we do in person. And part of it is you have limited choices now. So when choices are taken away from us, it's a tremendous loss. So that's another thing associated with with COVID is the loss of the life that we had and the opportunities that we have had. And we no longer have as many choices as we did um, pre-COVID. So that's, um, you know, that, that's another thing that I've talked to people about is just the, just the really painful change and, and the loss and the, the grief associated with losing themselves and have you know, so much of themselves. And so much of ourselves is associated with how we live our life. And for most people, the way we're living our life is very different now. Yeah, it definitely is very different. And I think that the change in act and behavior that defines a lot of people's identity of who they are by what they do. And it really is a collective loss and a personal loss for a lot of people. And I think there's been some conversations about the collective grief uh, associated with COVID and I think that's really important to acknowledge and to just kind of be with and to take care of ourselves. In this episode, later on, we're going to be talking about the technique RAIN um, to help deal with some difficult emotions or also not difficult emotions. I, I think what you just said about acknowledging that collective loss is a really important thing to think about. Part of what can be helpful for people is to really acknowledge that there are significant changes in their life and the results of that, the way people feel, is a really typical and expected response to what's going on. So, you know, getting back to what I was said earlier, this is not because people aren't able to cope or they're they're broken or something's wrong with them or there's some pathology that's affecting you know what they're experiencing right now this is a collective and personal loss with significant changes in our life and how people are feeling is makes so much sense and to acknowledge that there's nothing wrong with us that we're feeling the way that we are is really important and and that's actually a technique for reducing stress is just acknowledging the validity of what we're feeling if we expect ourselves to feel different and to feel like you know how we were when we were at our best under circumstances where our life is, lives have been turned upside down it is really not realistic so that validation of our experience and our struggle is so important it disarms the power of of all these challenges a little bit if we're constantly fighting with 
with COVID and the, this different version of ourself, we're really giving that stress a lot of energy and power over us. But when we can say, you know, what I'm going through is not the way I want to live my life. However, I'm going to give myself some grace and some compassion because what I'm feeling makes a lot of sense given, what, given what's going on. I may not be able to be the best version of myself, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work with what I have. And what I have is this, and then I'm going to work to find ways to cope with what this is. Yeah, and I think I really appreciate you just validating our experiences right now and giving ourselves some grace and compassion in this time because that's the way that we're going to get through it. Um, How do the most resilient people cope with their stress? I think that when people can accept and acknowledge and validate their feelings, they have, um, they have something that's going to help them. So just like I was saying before, I think that's a very, very big part of, of being resilient and managing stress is just acknowledging what's going on and validating that. And again, that can empower people. They don't have to fight it. It's there, so okay, I'm just gonna figure out how to live with that. And that's a real attitude shift for a lot of people. And then in addition to that, people can really search for what they can search their values and their guiding principles for for what's what can give them meaning right now so we can not like what's going on but we can still pursue things that are important to us and find a way to do that so let's take the example of school school is hard for a lot of people right now they're so fatigued from being on a screen so much and not being able to interact with their peers and Yet, school is very, very important to so many people. So if you can work on accepting and compassionately acknowledging the stress that you're having with the situation, and then really keep some perspective on why you're doing what you're doing and that it is meaningful for you, it just helps people, again, have this shift in in their worldview. And when people have meaning in their life it it helps people to weather the storms that come their way and there are a lot of techniques that that people can use to to manage stress and uh, i'm sure my guess would be that a lot of people know those and just like we said earlier they they can't always act on those Getting outside, socializing, um, exercising, um, going to the gym, doing enjoyable activities like going to the theater or um, some sort of group um, meeting. These are options that are all really good to combat um, depression and mental fatigue and stress. But 
what a challenge we have that so many of those options have been eliminated. So what can we do in lieu of that? Well, we just really try, or it can be helpful to try to eke out moments and connect them to something that's meaningful to us and accept that it's maybe not quite like how we want it to be. So it's okay to not want to have another Zoom meeting with somebody. And if you are set up to meet with your friend who lives two miles down the road, but you really don't want to see people face, that person face to face, you're going to meet on Zoom, it's okay to not like that. But it's really important to remember that this friendship is really important to me. So I'm going to do what I need to do right now to make sure that I'm able to connect with what's important in my life. And it's just like the finding meaning and kind of purpose around that connected to personal values is like the anchor that can hold us down um, when the tides are really rough. I do think too what I was saying about compassion and giving ourselves some grace is so important right now. It's really easy for people to self-denigrate when they feel like they're not being their best selves or meeting their expectations. And if people who typically are able to be deeply engaged with school or to get their, their homework done all ahead of time and they're not able to do that in the same way that they were previously to COVID, it's so easy to, to, to be hard on yourself about that. But again, getting back to what I was saying about trying to understand that this is, it's, it's hard right now. This is a very challenging time. And it's okay for you to be a little bit different in the way that you're managing these, these stresses in your life. And when you self-denigrate, you're just, you know, you're just injuring yourself even more than what you're already injured. And so if we can be compassionate and say, hey, self, you're having a hard time. And that's understandable. Of course, you're having a hard time. And at the same time, you're doing amazingly well in a very challenging situation. So good for you, self. Find ways to be self-supportive and to be mindful and purposeful and kind with the way that you're talking to yourself. We really need ourselves to take care of ourselves right now. Yeah, and I love this Buddhist parable about the second arrow. Um, I'm sure you've probably heard this one where the first arrow is the initial incident and hurt and the second arrow is what we have associated with it that we're kind of piling on to that situation so the second arrow could be optional maybe um, using some self-compassion and using those tools and just saying I'm doing the best I can right now yeah with what I have right Buddhist thought also says something to the effect of pain is an inevitable and suffering is optional Now that sounds wonderful. It's not so easy to make happen, 
But what it's saying is that we do have some power to decide what we're going to do with the pain that we have. That doesn't mean it's easy, but we do have some power. And right now, it's important for us to find where we have power and to use self-compassion and understanding as one of those uh, forms of power that we, you know, we can exercise. There's also um, a Native American parable, and, and I apologize if I'm not um, telling this story correctly, but um, uh, the leader of an um, indigenous group is, is talking to his uh, people about the two dogs that he has. And he says one dog is really unkind and angry and bites at me and just really just negative dog. And the other dog is so loving and so kind so gentle and tender and these two dogs are fighting all the time and someone in the group says which dog wins the fight and the leader says the dog that I feed the most so the dog that's given the most energy is going to win that fight and I think that metaphor is really really powerful and if we can think which dog am I feeding am I feeding the dog that's totally totally talking to myself negatively and judging myself and being disappointed with myself or am I going to feed the dog that's really working hard to be kind and gentle and loyal and loving Hmm. That's a lovely story. I've heard kind of a variation on that before. And I think it really just highlights the, the power that we, we do hold, you know, in that situation too, to be able to nurture ourselves and have some self-compassion. So, And I think that story also illustrates how life is this duality with dark and light, both at the same time. Life can be absolutely wonderful and we can have misery at the same time and that's just the reality so right now our reality is that there's a lot of darkness and there's also an opportunity to find some light and to you know, push through this and you know, we're all doing this together which you know, there, there's something tragically lovely about that we all understand what we're going through it's like we have a new language of experiencing COVID and we get it so when I talk to somebody and I say COVID and if that's all I say they'll say I know and there's something that's really, again, tragically lovely about that. You just saying that, like, gave me goosebumps. <laughs> Seriously. That is just powerful. That This shared experience. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking time to chat with us today, Tracy. And I really enjoyed our conversation. I have, too.
Awesome. Uh, that was a fantastic interview. I found so much uh, meaning and, and value into what Tracy had to say. Thanks for doing that, Sarah. Yeah, definitely. Tracy is a well of knowledge. She's also super easy to talk to. So I really enjoyed a lot of the things she brought up. And I didn't think we were going to talk about COVID so much, but I'm so glad we did because it just felt super relevant. And I think that's a big thing that's contributing to all of our levels of stress too. Yeah, I really loved that she emphasized that not the the skills and the techniques that you're going to be having to deal with your stress these days are totally different from how you would have been dealing with stress in other situations and along with that COVID is just such a higher stressor than we've most of us have ever experienced in our lives and so I think that just um, really clarifying that and connecting that link in my mind was was a really valuable thing. Yeah, and also the other thing she said was that we always have we have all the skills inside of us and I think that's a really good thing to keep in mind that we have the ability to deal with these things and we don't need all these external tools. The external tools can help, but ultimately um it's already all there. We've got the software. We've got the software. Yeah, I really love that she emphasized how easy it is to be hard on ourselves now. I think it's really easy to think, oh, like I'm not having these skills or I'm not spending the time with people I want to be or I'm not doing as much running around as I normally like to be. And while that's like a totally normal experience, um, that it doesn't have to be that way. Like you don't have to be. And I, I love your the metaphor of that second arrow that like the first arrow being whatever pain is being caused to you directly. And then that second arrow being your judgments and feelings around around the uh, the situation. And so just really thinking about like how much of our of our suffering could be alleviated if we are just paying more attention to how we're feeling and like what's actually going on in our bodies. Yeah, I feel like that's a really big thing. The other thing that she brought up too was just about how with COVID our options are super limited of how we can relieve stress and also just things that we can and cannot do in our lives at this point in time. So I feel like that's a big thing. And we know that when we limit our options, we start to feel, you know, stuck or trapped. And that can be a really um, uncomfortable place to be. And so I think opening and seeing that there are a lot of options present in this moment, but they just might not be things that we've thought about before. Yeah, I think there's a lot of creativity that's having to happen in how people are coping with their stress, whether that's like just, you know, Zooming with friends that you're close to, or whether that's doing more indoor workouts, or whether whether that's um, taking distanced walks with people so you're able to see your friends. They're, they're, you know, we're all getting creative, I feel like, you know? Taking up knitting is a hobby. Exactly, exactly. taking up knitting is a hobby. Rachel's making a lot of socks these days. Yeah, I'm on a re- I'm an, on a knitting fiend these days. <laughs> yeah, and I think this thread of creativity is something that connects us all. And that's the other thing that Tracy mentioned is just how we are all going through this together. And it is just so powerful and also heartbreaking. You can just say COVID and people just know. We're all, we all just know because we've just gone through it. And we're still going through it, too. Yeah, the the great unifier, I feel like, in a lot of ways, is what I've been hearing people saying. And, you know, 
unifier, not necessarily in in all areas, but the fact that we just have this one experience that's internationally shared. Um, and I feel like just the, especially the experience in America is is one kind of experience. And it's so nice. Like she said, yeah, just being able to mention COVID and whoever you're talking to is just like, oh, yeah. I know how, you know, I, you just know, you just know exactly what, what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah. And instantly you have something in common with everybody that we're all going through this together. And now that we're talking about that and just shared experiences, it just makes me think about food and how when you share a meal with people, like food tastes better when you share it with somebody like that's proven. And so it's interesting how experiences are more rich when we go through them together versus going through them alone. And I think with the isolation that so many people are experiencing right now, it's really easy to feel like we're going through this alone. But in fact, we are all going through this just in our separate households. Yeah, I love the concept of dis- like being distanced, but not being alone, you know, like having social distancing and meeting in, meeting on Zoom in our own individual homes, but we're still coming together in community and we're still processing things as a community. And I think that is a big part of what Tracy is um, describing and talking about and, and what this entire episode really is about. Yeah, processing things on a personal level and also on a larger community level. And Curry does have resources to process things on a personal level as well as working to create some some change in the culture here at the University of Montana to help support processing things on a community level too. Yeah. So the Counseling Center at Curry does offer some supports. Your first appointment with counseling is always free and you can reach them by calling the counseling department. You can find that information on the Curry Health Center webpage. They also have some group therapy support groups that are free for students. There's one called Overcoming Anxiety, Mental Wellness for Graduate Students, Black, Indigenous, and People of Color Support Group, Understanding Self and Others, and those can all be found on the Curry Health Center webpage. And the info for that is also in the show notes today. Um, so... Now we're going to talk about one of our very favorite techniques about addressing stress in the moment that you can take away with you today. This was made popular by a doctor named Tara Brooks, a psychologist, an author, and a teacher of meditation, emotional healing, and spiritual awakening. And the technique we're going to go over is called the RAIN technique, R-A-I-N. Yeah, so RAIN is an acronym, and it stands for Recognize, Allow, Investigate, and Nurture. So we're going to walk through it a little bit and kind of tell you a little bit about each step and how you could practice it. So the first step is Recognize. This one is pretty simple. Probably the first step is here is pausing and recognizing just that that what is happening to you and just noting what you're experiencing in in the moment. So it could be thinking, oh, I'm I'm thinking that I'm feeling really angry right now. 
It could be noticing bodily sensations. Oh, my chest feels really closed off. Oh, I feel like I have a lot of space to move around. Things like that. And also it could be just stopping and noticing your actions. What behaviors are you doing right now? Like, are you, how are you holding your body? What's your body language like? What are your actions saying about what what's happening? So you could just note um, that by saying in your mind, I'm feeling X. Yeah, I love this step because it's so simple and it, it feels like such an easy step to take, but it is so infrequently done. I just I'm, I frequently feel like I'm just riding the waves of however my day is going and then the day ends and then I go to sleep without my ever having taken stock of how I'm feeling or thinking throughout the day. Yeah, in rain, you can use it when you're feeling an emotion that's really difficult to feel or you could use it when you're feeling an emotion that is really pleasant to feel too. And that leads into the next part of the acronym. So recognize is the first one. And then A stands for allow. Um, and that's exactly what it sounds like. You're just allowing that experience to be there. Um, allowing yourself to tell the truth about the experience. Allowing yourself to, no one, there's no, there's no judgment at any point of this process. There is no good or bad or even necessarily positive or negative. But this, it's just letting your thoughts, feelings, emotions, and sensations exist and be there. You're not trying to fix anything. You're not trying to avoid anything. This is just leaning into and experiencing that moment. Telling yourself, yes, this is happening to me. Or this is happening to me and it will be okay. Are two helpful things to tell yourself or to write down for yourself um, throughout this process. So you recognize what is happening, you allow the experience to be there, feeling the sensations, emotions, and then next is investigate. So investigate with interest and care. So it's just bringing some curiosity to the situation and diving in a little deeper. What is under this surface thing that's there? What's the core emotion behind my reaction here? So you could ask yourself, what most wants attention? How am I experiencing this in my body? What is the story I'm telling myself? And um, that, what's the story I'm telling myself? That's something that Brene Brown says. And one of the things she will say to people she'll tell them this is the story I'm telling myself can you fact check me on this and I I just love that so you're kind of fact checking yourself here a little bit but first you're just getting curious what is the story I'm telling myself what's the movie that I've made up in my mind about this I love the investigate step because it's so easy for me to skip I think I like to go from recognizing the emotion and then it's like okay solution time how can I fix this rather than necessarily taking that extra little moment to think, oh, that's probably because I have this homework assignment that's due that I've been thinking about, or oh, maybe this is because of a conversation I had with a friend earlier today. Yeah, investigate is kind of tasting the soup, the soup of what's happening, <laughs> assessing the flavors and why they're there. I love that, assessing the soup. I'm definitely going to start using that in my life. So, okay, where are we? We've got recognize, 
You're allowing what you're what you notice to be there. You're investigating what you've allowed and kind of, you know, distilling the roots of that. And then N stands for nurture. Uh, and more specifically, nurturing with self-compassion. So if there is hurt that's going on in whatever you're experiencing, sense that you were hurt and that that needs to be tended to. That hurt and that extra stress and all the rush of cortisol and adrenaline that's happening isn't something that needs to be happening in your body, which is really profound for a lot of people and for me, I think. Um, so asking yourself, how can I best care for myself right now? And there's a lot of different techniques that people have for nurturing. Um, and I think, you know, going back to what you were saying before at the beginning, Sarah, that this nurturing process can also be happening for emotions or sensations that are really pleasant, like being able to nurture like, oh, this bath water is really warm right now and I'm having a great time. I would love to add some orange essential oils to this and just like keep nurturing this pleasant experience. Or if it's an emotion that's difficult for you to feel or that something that's maybe feeling hurtful, nurturing with self-compassion and just asking, how can I best care for myself right now? And those could be words of affirmation. Um, just the action of witnessing yourself going through this process is in itself a radical act of nurturing or also just providing comfort to yourself. So placing your hand over your heart uh, and just noticing your own heartbeat, noticing your own heart working all the time, even when you're not paying attention, pumping blood through your body and taking care of your cells, even without you having to really do anything, which is awesome. Yeah, and I love the point you bring up here of just kind of leaning into what you need. And I know self-compassion can be really difficult. And one of the things somebody shared in our last episode was just taking care of themselves like a child. <laughs> so if you need to think about yourself like a child and how you would like nurture a child in that situation or um, that that is just a tool that maybe that's useful, maybe it's not. So take it if it is. But nurture is a really important step that I think needs to not be overlooked. So the RAIN technique, R-A-I-N, recognize, allow, investigate, and nurture. It can be applied to a myriad of situations. So that's a little bit on how to do it. And you can find more information online about it too. Tara Brock has a lot of really good resources on it, and her name is spelled T-A-R-A-B-R-A-C-H. So I would definitely encourage you to check out her work if you are interested by this. Um, the transcript is available in the show notes. You can follow us online at Curry Health Center on all social media platforms. We just want to give a quick shout out to our podcast team. We have Tori, who is our lead editor, uh, our only editor really, and does all things for our audio. Um, we have Sarah, who is the organizer and orchestrator. Um, she's a writer and is also one of the hosts of the podcast. We have Alex, who is the writer for the Health Nut blog and is also a host and writer for the show. And my name is Rachel, and I am also one of the hosts and writers. We also want to take this time to let you know that the pros who are peers reaching out that are working with the Curry Wellness Office are doing a new program called Best Fail Ever, and they are going to be walking around and in, in interviewing people 
um, around campus just about their best fails they've ever experienced. And they're going to be doing this every Friday from about 11 to 1. And I think for the next few weeks, they're going to be in the Campus Rec Center. So look out for them there. And we'll talk to you next time, UM. Thank you.